In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, one God. Amen. Today we're celebrating one of the seven minor feasts of the church. That is the presentation of the Lord into the temple. Actually, the icon is the the second one from the back there. You can see, actually, we have all the seven minor and major feasts around the church. So you can keep track of all the seven minor feasts of the church. In order to understand the purpose of this feast, I think we need to understand some of the context in the Old Testament. And there was two reasons that the Holy Family came to the temple today and presented the Lord in the temple. The first reason was to fulfill the law of the firstborn. To fulfill the law of the firstborn. The second was to fulfill the law of ritual purity for St. Mary. And in the gospel of today, it mentions these two reasons. It says, but when the days of her purification, according to the law of Moses, were completed, that's the second reason I spoke about, they brought him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord, as is written in the law of the Lord, every male who opens the womb shall be called holy for the Lord. And today I want to meditate with you on the first reason that they brought the Lord to the temple was the law of the firstborn. What is this law of the firstborn? We want to understand the, understand the meaning. Every male who opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. When we look at the Old Testament, from the very beginning, the firstborn child always had like special rights. There's a small rite for this feast that I was supposed to do now, but it's not just creature of habit. So we, I went into the sermon, but there's a small rite where I take the, the Bashara, represents the Lord Jesus Christ, and we walk around the altar as in a, in a procession. And then after the, the procession, each, each person will kiss the, the Bashara, like it's the presentation of the Lord. So one of the small rites that we do on this feast, and I forgot to do it, we'll do it after, uh, We'll do it after the sermon, God willing. So don't let me forget. So we are talking about the firstborn, the law of the firstborn. And we said that the firstborn had special privileges. The firstborn used to get double inheritance, a double portion of the inheritance, and had special rights as the firstborn. But actually... There's a bigger idea of the firstborn, bigger than just the firstborn child. The firstborn also referred to the nation of Israel. The whole nation of Israel was considered the the firstborn. The Lord God, what he said, he said, Israel is my son, my firstborn. And actually when the Lord was speaking to Moses, when the Lord was speaking to Moses, even before Moses went to Pharaoh and and all the plagues, all of the terror, you know, the ten plagues. Listen to what God said to Moses. He said, Israel is my son, my firstborn. I say to you, let my son go that he may serve me. This was the message Moses was supposed to deliver to Pharaoh. Let, I say to you, let my son go that he may serve me. But if you refuse to let him go, indeed I will kill your son, the firstborn. If you don't let my firstborn go, I will kill your firstborn. 
And that was the whole story of the Passover. And God had this in His plan even before any of the ten plagues. Or It wasn't like, uh, what am I going to do now? It was in God's plan to establish this idea of the firstborn, the importance of the firstborn. So God viewed the entire nation of Israel as the firstborn. Male and female didn't matter. If you were a part of the nation of Israel, you were the firstborn. And that means that if you were the firstborn, that means who is your father? The firstborn needs a father. The father is God. So God was their father. And each person in the nation of Israel, that means was born of God. They were the firstborn of God. What an honor. What an honor. And to help the Israelites remember that they were the firstborn, then God said, let me, because God very practical. So he wanted them to remember into the firstborn. of. So then he made rules concerning the the actual firstborn. So now we have rules about the actual firstborn. And this is what God said to Moses. Sanctify to me all the firstborn. Whatever opens the womb among the children of, of Israel, both man and animal, it is mine. It is mine. Originally God set apart the firstborn children to be used for his service. They were supposed to be wholly dedicated to God. So if I say to you, what is a person wholly dedicated to God? Who is that? Someone wholly dedicated to God. What is their job? What is a name a job that someone's job is to dedicate it to the Lord? A priest. And although the term is not explicitly used that the firstborn should be considered priest, it seems in the mind of God that the firstborn in each family should have been a priest. A priest. I'll tell you why I say that. Is because if you look at Numbers chapter 3, actually Numbers chapter 3, God says something very interesting. He says, Now behold, I myself have taken the Levites, pay attention to this, from among the children of Israel, instead of every firstborn who opens the womb among the children of Israel. It was as if the Lord created a new priesthood. It's called the priesthood of Levi. And that priesthood was a substitute for the priesthood of the the firstborn. And if you read Numbers 3... Actually, the Lord asks Moses, go count all the firstborn in the nation of Israel. And Moses counted 22,273 firstborn. And he came back to the Lord and said, I have 22,273 firstborn. And God said, now count the Levites. And then, and then Moses said, there's only 22,000 Levites. So what do I do about the extra 273? And the Lord said, for every firstborn, you must make a sacrifice. You must make a payment. Because that firstborn has to be redeemed. So there was a substitute. For the firstborn, then there was the the Levi. There was a substitute of the priesthood. So each of the firstborn priests needed to be redeemed by the Levitical priesthood. That is the historical context of the gospel of today. But now the Lord Jesus Christ, he comes into the temple. 
And Christ is now, how does St. Paul refer to Christ as? The firstborn. Christ is now the new firstborn. In Colossians chapter 1, says he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. In Hebrews chapter 1, because our high school kids are studying Hebrews, and Hebrews is trying to establish the priesthood and the superiority of Christ over all the other prophets. He says... But when he began, and, but when he again brings the firstborn into the world, he says, let all the angels of God worship him. Because the death of the firstborn in Egypt brought freedom. The death of the firstborn brought freedom to the Israelites. It freed them from slavery. Likewise, the death of the firstborn Christ has freed us from the bondage of the devil, has freed us from the slavery of the devil. That's why Simeon praises God today. Imagine Simeon and everyone's hands are so tied because they are in bondage. And now the firstborn came and he carried the firstborn in his hands. And when he carried the firstborn in his hands, that freed him from the bondage. If you want to be free from the bondage of slavery, you have to carry the firstborn in your hand. Another thing that the firstborn Christ did to us is he reminds us that actually he returned us back. No longer do we need the Levitical priesthood. I told you the Levitical priesthood was a substitute for the firstborn. But now Christ, if he paid for everyone, then you'd have no longer a need for the Levitical priesthood. And now therefore your nation, the whole nation becomes, now there's something called the general priesthood. The general priesthood. That's why St. Peter, he says, you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, that's the, the talk of God in the old, like the beginning, that a holy na- Israel was just this holy nation. But now the firstborn, because now this firstborn has paid for everything, now everyone is born of the firstborn. We are all descendants of the firstborn. So now we get to be wholly dedicated to God. Well, that's, I think, the main takeaway that I want us to think about today is that as descendants of the firstborn we need to be wholly dedicated to God parents I want you to be like Hannah 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 the mother of Samuel Samuel was the firstborn of Hannah and Hannah made a vow this is for you parents parents Hannah said this, I prayed for this child and the Lord granted me what I asked for. So now I give him to the Lord. For his whole life will be given to the Lord. Actually, this isn't true of just Samuel. Actually, it should be true of every parent. Every parent should come and say, my child is wholly dedicated to the Lord. It pains me. It pains me. And I feel like I have to be a sales agent to convince parents to bring their kids early to church. Ida. Ida. Why? Your kids are wholly 
dedicated to the Lord. Into, you're supposed to be wholly dedicated to the Lord. You don't need to ask, that's your job. To dedicate your children to the Lord. There's no other job. I don't care about your school. I mean, we care about your school and we do all this stuff. But the most important thing is that they become children of God. Wholly dedicated to the Lord. That is the attitude of the good parent. That was what St. Mary was doing. Was bringing the child. Jesus saying, here is my child. Will become wholly dedicated to the Lord. She took a vow to the Lord. Actually, if you go to the psalm today, the psalm today says, Offer to God with thanksgiving and pay your vows to the Most High. Most High, Whoever offers praise glorifies me. And to him who orders his conduct aright, I will show the salvation of, of God. Today we want to see the salvation of God. If you offer to the Lord your firstborn, you will... See the salvation of God. To see the salvation of God, we need to be like Simeon the priest and another beautiful woman that was mentioned in the gospel today. Anna the prophetess. They were fully dedicated to the Lord. And the Bible tells us of Simeon that he was just and devout waiting for the consolation of Israel. And of Anna it says, she did not depart the temple. She did not depart the temple. Hey, Adam. In the temple. That's all she did. What was she doing in the temple? Fasting and prayer night and day. Fasting and prayer night and day. And both of these people were patiently waiting to see the Lord. And I imagine Simeon, this priest, he's sitting at the door every day saying, God, when are you going to come visit? When is this child going to come visit? And the Holy Spirit is telling me the child is coming. When is the child coming? And he's waiting, waiting, waiting. But it's dedicated to the Lord. How can we see the salvation of the Lord? To see the salvation of the Lord, I think a few lessons to see the salvation of the Lord. And I said be holy dedicated. To be holy dedicated to the Lord. Simeon saw the salvation of God because he was a scholar of the scripture and the Bible. And it was because he was a scholar of the scripture that he was the the tradition i don't know this the old synaxar said he was one of the ones that was writing the the septuagint and he came to the 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 verse in isaiah that said behold a virgin shall bring forth and started to a virgin will give forth to a son how how is this going to happen so he's thinking about the scripture And the Lord told him, you will see the salvation of the Lord. If you want to see the salvation of God, if you want to see God in your life, you have to be like Simeon, be searching in the scripture, asking God, what's going on in the scripture? What is going on? That's why the Bible is so important for us. If if you want to know what God is doing in your life, and you don't read the scripture, how would you know? How? I don't know. Be like Simeon and search in the scripture. In the scripture, not only will God reveal more things about the future to you, like the Lord revealed to Simeon, oh, the Messiah is coming and you will see him. But actually, also the scripture tells us the story of salvation. Actually, we see in the scripture how God saved his people. Actually, that was another part of the firstborn. 
is the firstborn was going to be a memorial for the firstborn that killed, that died for the salvation of the Israelites from Egypt. We see the salvation of God through the scripture. Any of you have one of these? No? You don't have this? You put it in all your places. When you look at it, don't you say, see the salvation of God in this? So how can you say, where is God? I don't see God in my life. Oh, damn, it's right here. Oh, look right here. The cross is in front of you. Here is the salvation of God in front of you. If you look at the cross every day, and you say, ah, here is the love of God in front. Here is the salvation of God who died on, on the cross for our sins. That's the first thing, to search the scripture. The scripture will show you, salvation will show you how to see God. The second big thing to see God, though this one's very important, is we need to reside in the temple of the Lord. We need to live in the church. Live. I get like beds and like live here. We need to live here. It's not enough. We just come once a once a week. No, we live in the church. One of the beautiful aspects about Egypt and the church in Egypt, everyone lives in the church. I love that about the, the, the life in Egypt. Is that every, the church is the home. Is the home of everyone. We need to have that concept. If Anna and Simeon were not in the church, would they have seen the Lord Christ when he came? Would he have seen the Lord Christ? Living. No. They were in the temple waiting for the Lord. Not just relax. No. If you want to see God in your life, you have to come to the the church to reside in the temple. I love this saying that David says in the Psalms. He says, one thing I have desired of the Lord. Only thing I, only thing I desire. Only thing. Not iPhone 12s, not Mishara. They don't have 12s. 11, whatever. iPhone, whatever. Material. I don't want materialism. I don't want any of this thing. One thing I have desired of the Lord, that I will seek. That I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. To behold the beauty of the Lord. And to inquire in His temple. And, if, and I was just thinking. If you wanted to see... You know the All-Star game is this weekend? And there's lots of basketball players around. If you want to go see these basketball players, where are you going to go? Where? 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 You should go downtown and you should go to the United Center. I guarantee if you go to the United Center tonight at 7 o'clock, you'll see lots of basketball players. I promise you. I guarantee you. If you want to see Jesus, if you want to see God, I promise you, just come to the church. Hey, oh, it's right here. It's right here. In front of you, right here. If you want to see the work of God in your life, then you have to come to the church. You have to live in the church. Be a part of the church. Not just this, and come and go and ida. That's not namish. You won't see God, kid. The third way to see God is through a life devoted to prayer and fasting. Prayer and fasting. Hashan, we're going into the time of prayer and fasting. When everyone, uh, Lent and so long. and uh, 
Prayer and fasting, this is the gateway, the vehicle to see God. Prayer and fasting is the vehicle to see God. Many people come to the church, but they don't see God. Lots of people come to the church, but don't see God. Why? Because they don't have the vehicle of prayer and fasting. The vehicle of prayer and fasting takes you from this church. When we say lift up your hearts, that takes you now to see God. If you want to see God, we have to learn to pray and fast. We have to learn to pray and fast. I feel like, Ahna, we need to learn how to pray. We need to learn to pray again. Actually, today we have a prayer meeting. I wish all of you to come and attend the prayer meeting. Because it is through prayers... And fasting that we get to see the hand of God. We get to see the hand of God. I shared this with a few servants. Many people don't see the hand of God. Because if I said to you, what do you pray about? Or let me ask this a different way. If God answered your prayers, would you know he answered your prayer? Would you know? Because if you just said, dear Lord, help me and I hope the people don't come. And just all the standard, help the poor, the sick, and the homeless. Like, Rabbana is going to help the poor, the sick, and the homeless. How? How do you know? We need to learn to pray, like, from all our heart, with meaning, with purpose. If we do that, then I promise we will see the salvation of God. I want us to be like Simeon. Simeon said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace. Because I have seen your salvation. Everyone should, yani the church teaches us to pray this like at least twice a day. Once in the twelfth hour, once in the tazbah. It loves this prayer. Even the priest says it a million times like, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation. We want to be in a state where we could say, Lord, take us. Because we have seen your Salvation. How will we get to that point? We have to be wholly dedicated to God. We need to reside in the church. We need to embrace prayer and fasting. We need to embrace, hug prayer. Take the Lord Jesus Christ into your hands like Simeon today and raise him up and be happy and say, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace and glory be to God forever. Amen. So.